Chapter Seventeen of A Small Boy and Others. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by M. B. A Small Boy and Others by Henry James. Chapter Seventeen. I lose myself of a truth under the whole pressure of this spring of memory proceeding from recent revisitings and recognitions the action of the fact that time until lately had spared hereabouts and may still be sparing in the most exceptional way by an anomaly or a mercy of the rarest in new york a whole cluster of landmarks leaving me to spot and verify right and left the smallest preserved particulars these things at the pressure flush together again interweave their pattern and quite thrust it at me the absurd little fusion of images for a history or a picture of the time the background of which i see after all so much less as the harsh sixth avenue corner than as the many other matters those scant shades claimed us but briefly and superficially and it comes back to me that oddly enough in the light of autumn afternoons our associates the most animated or at any rate the best put in little figures of our landscape were not our comparatively obscure schoolmates who seem mostly to have swum out of our ken between any day and its morrow our other companions those we practically knew at home ignored our school having better or worse of their own but peopled somehow for us the social scene which figuring there for me in documentary vividness, bristles with Van Burens, Van Winkles, De Pasters, Costers, Centers, Norcombs, Robinsons, these last composing round a stone-throwing Eugene, Wards, Hunts, and Tutti Quanti, to whose ranks I must add our invariable Albert before mentioned, and who swum from up and down and east and west, appearing to me surely to have formed a rich and various society our salon it is true was mainly the street loose and wide and crude in those days at best though with a rapid increase of redeeming features to the extent to which the spread of micaceous brown stone could redeem as exhibited especially in the ample face of the scotch presbyterian church promptly rising just opposite our own peculiar row and which it now marks for me somewhat grimly a span of life to have seen laboriously rear itself continuously flourish and utterly disappear while in construction it was only less interesting than the dancing academy of mr edward ferrero slightly west of it and forming with it in their embryonic stage a large and delightfully dangerous adjunct to our playground, though with the distinction of coming much to surpass it for interest in the final phase. While we clambered about on ladders and toyed with the peril of unfloored abysses, while we trespassed and pried and pervaded, snatching a scant impression from sorry material enough, clearly the sacred edifice enjoyed a credit beyond that of the profane. But when both were finished and opened, we flocked to the sound of the fiddle more freely, it need scarce be said, than to that of the psalm. 
freely indeed in our particular case scarce expresses the latter relation since our young liberty in respect to church-going was absolute and we might range at will through the great city from one place of worship and one form of faith to another or might on occasion ignore them all equally which was what we mainly did whereas we rallied without a break to the halls of ferrero a view of the staringly and as i supposed dazzlingly frescoed walls the internal economy the high amenity the general aesthetic and social appeal of which still hangs in its wealth before me dr mcelroy lifting tight-closed eyes strange long-drawn accents and gaunt scraggy chin squirming and swaying and cushion-thumping in his only a shade more chastely adorned temple is distinct enough too just as we enjoyed this bleak intensity the more to my personal vision through the vague legend and no legend was too vague for me to cherish of his being the next pastor in succession to the one under whom our mother thereto predirected by our good great-grandfather alexander robertson already named who was nothing if not scotch and presbyterian and authoritative as his brave old portrait by the elder jarvis attests had sat before her marriage the marriage so lamentedly diverting her indeed from this tradition that to mark the rueful rupture it had invoked one evening with the aid of india muslin and a wondrous gold headband in the maternal the washington square parlours but the secular nuptial consecration of the then mayor of the city i think mr varick we progeny were of course after this mild convulsion not at all in the fold yet it strikes me as the happy note of a simple age that we were practically of a sunday night at least wherever we might have chosen to enter since going forth hand in hand into the sunshine and i connect myself here with my next younger not with my elder brother whose orbit was other and larger was sampled in modern phrase as small unprejudiced inquirers obeying their inspiration any resort of any congregation detected by us doing so i make out moreover with a sense of earnest provision for any contemporary challenge what church do you go to the challenge took in childish circles that searching form of the form it took among our elders my impression is more vague to which i must add as well that our fending in this fashion for ourselves didn't so prepare us for invidious remark remark i mean upon our pewless state which involved to my imagination much the same discredit that a houseless or a cookless would have done as to hush in my breast the appeal to our parents not for religious instruction of which we had plenty and of the most charming and familiar but simply for instruction a very different thing as to where we should say we went in our world under cold scrutiny or derisive comment it was colder than any criticism i recall to hear our father reply that we could plead nothing less than the whole privilege of christendom and that there was no communion even that of the catholics even that of the jews even that of the swedenborgians from which we need find ourselves excluded 
with the freedom we enjoyed our dilemma clearly amused him it would have been impossible he affirmed to be theologically more en règle how as mere detached unaccompanied infants we enjoyed such impunity of range and confidence of welcome is beyond comprehension save by the light of the old manners and conditions the old local bonhomie the comparatively primal innocence the absence of complications with the several notes of which last beatitude my reminiscence surely shines it was the theory of the time and place that the young were they but young enough could take publicly no harm to which adds itself moreover and touchingly enough all the difference of the old importances it wasn't doubtless that the social or call it simply the human position of the child was higher than today a circumstance not conceivable it was simply that other dignities and values and claims other social and human positions were less definite and settled less prescriptive and absolute a rich sophistication is after all a gradual growth and it would have been sophisticated to fear for us before such bright and vacant vistas the perils of the way or to see us received anywhere even with the irony of patronage we hadn't in fact seats of honour but that justice was done us that is we were placed to our advantage i infer from my having liked so to go even though my grounds may have been but the love of the exhibition in general thanks to which figures faces furniture sounds smells and colours became for me wherever enjoyed and enjoyed most where most collected a positive little orgy of the senses and riot of the mind let me at the same time make the point that such may be the snobbery of extreme youth i not only failed quite to rise to the parental reasoning but made out in it rather a certain sophistry such a prevarication for instance as if we had habitually said we kept the carriage we observably didn't keep kept it because we sent when we wanted one to university place where mr haythorne had his livery stable a connection this last promoted by my father's frequent need of the aid to circulate his walks were limited through an injury received in youth and promoting in turn and at a touch to my consciousness the stir of small the smallest remembered things i recall the adventure no infrequent one of being dispatched to mr haythorne to bespeak a conveyance and the very air and odour the genial warmth at a fine steaming irish pitch of the stables and their stamping and backing beasts their resounding boardedness their chairs tipped up at such an angle for lifted heels a pair of which latter seek the floor again at my appeal as those of big-bearded mr haythorne himself an impression enriched by the drive home in lolling and bumping procession of the great vehicle and associated further with sunday afternoons in spring with the question of distant harlem and remoter bloomingdale with the experience at one of these junctures of far-away hoboken if it wasn't williamsburg which fits in fancifully somewhere 
when the carriage was reinforced by a fairy and the fairy by something something to my present vision very dim and dusty and archaic something quite ragged and graceless in the nature of a public tea-garden and ices the finest link here however is for some reason with the new york hotel and thereby with albany uncles thereby also with mr haythorne in person waiting and waiting expensively on his box before the house and somehow felt as attuned to albany uncles even as mrs cannon had subtly struck me as being intenser than these vague shades meanwhile is my vision of the halls of ferrero where the orgy of the senses and even the riot of the mind of which i have just spoken must quite literally have led me more of a dance than anywhere let this sketch of a lost order note withal that under so scant a general provision for infant exercise as distinguished from infant ease our hopping and sliding in tune had to be deemed urgent it was the sense of this form of relief that clearly was general superseding as the ampler ferrero scene did previous limited exhibitions even those for that matter coming back to me in the ancient person of monsieur chariot i guess at the writing of his name whom i work in but confusedly as a professional visitor a subject gaped at across a gulf of fear in one of our huddled schools all the more that i perfectly evoke him as resembling with a difference or two the portraits of the aged voltaire and that he had fiddle in hand and jarret tendu incited the young agility of our mother and aunt edward ferrero was another matter in the prime of life good-looking romantic and mustachioed he was suddenly to figure on the outbreak of the civil war as a general of volunteers very much as if he had been one of bonaparte's improvised young marshals in anticipation of which however he wasn't at all fierce or superior to my remembrance but most kind to sprawling youth in a charming man-of-the-world fashion and as if we wanted but a touch to become also men of the world remarkably good-looking as i say by the measure of that period and extraordinarily agile he could so gracefully leap and bound that his bounding into the military saddle such occasion offering had all the felicity and only wanted the pink fleshings of the circus he was still more admired by the mothers with whom he had to my eyes a most elegant relation than by the pupils among all of whom at the frequent and delightful soirees he caused trays laden with lucent syrups repeatedly to circulate the scale of these entertainments as i figured it and the florid frescoes just damp though they were with newness and the free lemonade and the freedom of remark equally great with the mother's were the lavish note in him just as the fact that he never himself fiddled but was followed over the shining parquet by attendant fiddlers represented doubtless a shadow the less on his later dignity 
so far as that dignity was compassed. Dignity marked in full measure, even at the time, the presence of his sister, Madame Dubreuil, a handsome authoritative person who instructed us equally, in fact preponderantly, and who, though comparatively not sympathetic, so engaged, physiognomically, my wondering interest, that I hear to this hour her shrill Franco-American accent. Don't look at me, little boy. Look at my feet. I see them now, these somewhat fat members, beneath the uplifted skirt, encased in bronzed slippers, without heels but attached, by graceful crossbands over her white stockings, to her solid ankles, an emphatic sign of the time, not less than I recover my surprised sense of their supporting her without loss of balance, substantial as she was, in the first position, her command of which, her ankles clapped close together and her body very erect, was so perfect that even with her toes, right and left, fairly turning the corner backward, she never fell prone on her face. It consorted somehow with this wealth of resource in her that she appeared at the soirees, or at least at the great fancy-dress soiree in which the historic truth of my experience, free lemonade and all, is doubtless really shut up, as the genius of California, a dazzling vision of white satin and golden flounces, her brother, meanwhile, maintaining that more distinctively European colour, which I feel to have been, for my young presumption, the convincing essence of the scene, in the character of a mousquetaire de Louis XV, highly consonant with his type. There hovered in the background a flushed, full-chested, and tawnily short-bearded Monsieur Dubray, who, as a singer of the heavy order, at the opera, carried us off into larger things still, the opera having at last, about then, after dwelling for years downtown, in shifty tents and tabernacles, set up its own spacious pavilion, and reared its head as the Academy of Music, all at the end, or what served for the end, of our very street, where, though it wasn't exactly near and Union Square bristled between, I could yet occasionally gape at the great bills beside the portal, in which Monsieur Dubreuil always so serviceably came at the bottom of the cast. A subordinate artist, a grand utility at the best, I believe, and presently to become, on that scene, slightly ragged, I fear, even in its freshness, permanent stage manager, or, as we say nowadays, producer, he had yet eminently, to my imagination, the richer, the European value. Especially, for instance, when our air thrilled, in the sense that our attentive parents re-echoed, with the visit of the great Greasy and the great Mario, and I seemed, though the art of advertisement was then comparatively so young and so chaste, to see our personal acquaintance, as he could almost be called, thickly sandwiched between them. Such was one's strange sense for the connections of things that they drew out the halls of Ferrero, till these, too, seemed fairly to resound with Norma and Lucrezia Borgia, 
as if opening straight upon the stage and europe by the stroke had come to us in such force that we had but to enjoy it on the spot that could never have been more the case than on the occasion of my assuming for the famous fancy ball not at the operatic academy but at the dancing school which came so nearly to the same thing the dress of a débardeur whatever that might be which carried in its puckered folds of dark green relieved with scarlet and silver such an exotic fragrance and appealed to me by such a legend the legend had come round to us if it was true by way of albany whence we learned at the moment of our need that one of the adventures one of the least lamentable of our cousin johnny had been his figuring as a débardeur at some parisian revel the elegant evidence of which neatly packed with but vague instructions for use was helpfully sent on to us the instructions for use were in fact so vague that i was afterward to become a bit ruefully conscious of having sadly dishonoured or at least abbreviated my model i fell that is i stood short of my proper form by no less than half a leg the essence of the débardeur being it appeared that he emerged at the knees in white silk stockings and with neat calves from the beribboned breeches which i artlessly suffered to flap at my ankles the discovery after the fact was disconcerting yet had been best made withal too late for it would have seemed i conceive a less monstrous act to attempt to lengthen my legs than to shorten johnny's culotte the trouble had been that we hadn't really known what a débardeur was and i am not sure indeed that i know to this day it had been more fatal still that even fond albany couldn't tell us End of chapter seventeen